lecture three part one of the endowments of man by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture three the secondary image of god in man part one and let him have dominion over the whole earth genesis chapter one verse twenty six if the hebrew tongue was blessed with a name for god which expressed his absolute being our own is happy in a name that expresses his nature for god and good are the same word with a different spelling god is the good the one good the absolute good the fontal good from whom is all good that is or can exist when a certain person addressed our lord as good master not knowing his divinity christ said to him why askest thou me concerning good one is good god if then we would use the sacred name of god with reverent intelligence we must fill it with its divine sense that it may have the habitual power of awakening our mind and heart to the one divine and all-perfect good it is of the nature of an intelligent being to do all things for a reasonable end and the nature of a good intelligence to do all things for a good and wise end but the god of infinite perfection must always contemplate in his actions the most perfect end and that most perfect end is himself he acts not for a greater end in the greatest things and for a lesser end in the lesser things but he designs creates upholds provides and rules all things to his own eternal glory whatever may be the subjective or the relative value of his various works taken in themselves his act in them is perfect because of the perfect end to which they are ordained yet god is not as man that he should covet glory he is himself the perfect glory to which nothing can be added and from which nothing can be taken from his divine dignity and perfect majesty comes the just and essential order of things and this order requires that the author of all things should have the glory of all things as god is the first cause of all things and the exemplary cause of all things he is also the final cause of all things the divine intention is the motive of creation this intention is the end contemplated and the end contemplated is god himself he is the beginning and the end of all and therefore whatever he creates that moves in its just order moves as it were in a circle having its beginning from god through his creative word in time and moving through the course of time towards the same god as its final end god is the reason of all created things and this reason is threefold as the first principle of all god the father is the first cause of all in his word or reason 
are the intelligible forms of all things and therefore god the word is the exemplary cause of all things as he is the final cause of all things god the holy spirit the perfecter operates in bringing his faithful works to the honour and glory of the holy trinity as to their final cause as the reason of all things god imparts the light of reason to his intelligent creatures that in him they may find the reason of their reason the final object and end of all their searches after truth and goodness this is expressed in the inspired proverb of solomon god hath made all things for himself but to provide an order for them who with perverse wills turn their reason away from the divine reason this clause is added to the inspired word the wicked also for the evil day it is because god is the final cause of all things and all are made for his glory that he also contemplates an intermediate end of his creation and this end is to impart to his creatures according to their nature some reflection of his being some vestige or resemblance of his goodness material things reflect his being in their existence intelligent creatures reflect his intelligence in their reason and just spirits reflect his life beauty and goodness in their love if we contemplate the created universe as a whole the whole is made for god if we consider it part by part each part of the great whole has also its special and immediate end for whatever is inferior in the nature of things is ordained to minister to what is superior as the superior part of the world and as the subject of heaven man is immediately subject to god and what is inferior to man is ordained to the immediate service of man yet whilst the inferior creation has its immediate end in the nobler creation of rational souls whose direct end is god himself this does not prevent the inferior creatures from representing the being and goodness of god in what they are or from having their final end in god for although the material creature is made for the spiritual creature it is not the less made for divine goodness for whilst the whole universe of created things forms one grand construction reflecting in its countless dependencies and harmonies the manifold wisdom and glory of god each part of this wonderful construction is made with reference to the whole and whilst each inferior part is subject to what is superior which gives an inexhaustible lesson to rational man the whole creation is one complete organization whose immediate end is the manifestation of god and whose final end is the glory of god god alone has the supreme power and sovereign dominion over all his creatures he is the fontal source of all power authority right and rule human rights have their authority in divine rights 
and human dominion obtains its authority from the divine dominion the just laws that regulate and secure the rights of man spring immediately from human reason and the divinely constituted order of things and these have their foundation in the divine reason but man's dominion over the earth and what the earth contains is so familiar to him that he rarely reflects on the origin of the authority with which he is invested to wield that dominion that god designated man to exercise this dominion is visibly written in the volume of creation in which we see the aptitude of the sensible world to be subject to the service of the spiritual creation and the capacity of the spiritual creature to subject the inferior works of god to his dominion and use but the right to exercise this dominion was a formal grant from god to man expressed by a sovereign decree of his supreme authority this grant is coeval with the creation of man was renowned after its forfeiture at the deluge and is contained in the most ancient of legal documents and god said let us make man to our own image and likeness and let him have dominion over the fishes of the sea and the birds of the air and the beasts and the whole earth and every creature that moveth on the earth and god blessed them saying increase and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it the dominion of the earth with all it contains was given to man with the divine blessing what is this blessing it is the faithful influence which god sheds upon his creatures from his goodness giving them vigor growth and the power to multiply it is the fertilizing gift which augments the gifts of existence and of vitality the key to the understanding of this world is the divine purpose contemplated by its author it was designed for the training of immortal souls for an eternal life with god it is therefore endowed with a great diversity of offices and aptitudes for this purpose framed for the abode of man from the dawning of his existence to the end of his probation it is wonderfully fitted and tempered to the requirements of his body as his body is yet more wonderfully fitted to his soul it is provisioned with all things good and suitable for his use instruction and pleasure after each order of creation had risen up into existence at the omnipotent command god saw that it was good after the whole visible creation was evolved from chaos and completed god saw all things which he had made and they were exceedingly good the whole creation viewed in its manifold relations harmonies uses and dependencies was a good exceedingly greater in its unity than were the several creations viewed separately they were exceedingly good for the end for which they were made but when god made man he did not say that man was good because god himself is the good of man
the good of man is exterior to this world and he can only reach that good by his own choice and by the free exercise of his will but the inferior creation was made good for the service and instruction of man by one and the same decree of his sovereign will god both created man and gave to him and his descendants dominion over the earth to subdue it and dominion over all the creatures it contains that they might do him service the earth has no intelligence to know its existence its mineral treasures know not their own wealth its vegetable glories have no consciousness the animal world has no light of reason whereby to know its creator the visible world knows not from what it exists or for what end it exists or that it does exist this knowledge god has implanted in man for the whole creation that exists around him he is a will to the creatures of the earth and as it were a god to them the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof the world and all that dwell therein and the lord of the universe has made man to be his viceroy over every other creature that the world contains he is a mystery to them as god is a mystery to him nevertheless he rules them within certain limits he commands them and they obey his will if a reason is asked for this grand dispensation the profoundest reason as of all divine dispensations is hidden with god in his eternity but even our human reason has light enough to see that it is far more magnificent and glorious to god that he should create intelligent beings with a capacity to exercise dominion and a power to rule the inferior creation than if he had reserved all power and dominion in this world to himself to this we must add that the responsibility imposed on man as the delegate of god's authority constitutes a large element in his moral training for the kingdom of heaven where justice and mercy reign supreme the parable of the master who called his servants and gave them his goods a portion to each according to his ability that all might fructify them until he came to take the reckoning may be taken to illustrate the end for which god has imparted a share to man of his dominion over the creation and the sentence pronounced upon their just or neglected stewardship reveals the moral end of the plan upon which this human administration of god's creation is founded well done thou good and faithful servant because thou hast been faithful over a few things i will set thee over many things enter thou into the joy of thy lord this delegated right of dominion over god's creations is not a mere prerogative of human dignity it is also a trust to be exercised in dependence on god and with accountability to him 
not only as a great element of moral teaching but as a source of moral worth which is the true wealth of the soul yet over all things god holds the dominion in chief and to every created thing he gives its force its qualities its limits the order in which it acts or is acted upon and his own overruling providence but to men he likewise gives his law in which the rightful use and ruling of his creatures is prescribed to them the action of god is clearly visible in the ordering of the world and where the light of reason is not utterly perverted all men at times feel his power in the creation what but the continuance of god's creative will upholds the world in existence what but his regulating providence makes the elements of the world keep their place their proportions and their equable balance so admirably tempered to human needs what but his will and wisdom have ordained all things in number weight and measure what makes the earth and the orbs of heaven to move in their appointed courses what makes the sun to glow with a splendor softened to the requirements of human eyes and human life what causes the moon and the glittering stars to illuminate our night what causes the winds to breathe in gentle gales or to blow with purging vehemence what makes the ever-changing clouds those curtains from their solar heat and revivers of the earth to muster in their squadrons and career before the winds the showers to fall the streams to flow the seas to agitate their purifying waves the earth to germinate in flowers and fruits the air to feed the flame of mortal life the waters to fertilize all nature to bring forth to give names to hidden causes is to confess their existence but not to discover what they are science may trace the dependencies of things upon each other or at least on the visible side of them that is exposed to human sight and may follow the links of the lower end of the chain of causation but what and where is the primal force from which all causation springs what primal force moves all material things that are in their nature passive what keeps them orderly temperate and measured in their movements whether worlds or elements or things that vegetate or that move with the force and harmony of animal life we may ask what and what in vain so long as we search for their causes in material nature the divine author of all is the first mover of all whilst he is himself immovable and the creation receives its energies and modes of movement from the most tranquil yet ever acting will of god who maketh his sun to shine over the good and the bad and reigneth upon the just and the unjust there is no method of thought more disloyal to truth no style of speech more uncongenial with the religious sense none more deceptive in its results 
than that low method of thought and expression so common in the world that makes material nature the seat of those laws which have their presence in the mind of god and their force in his will how can things without intelligence or will be in any reasonable sense the subjects of law law is a moral rule existing in some mind material things are passive in the hands of god as they are passive in the hands of man it is their nature to be passive and to move as they are moved all motion has its origin in the will of some spiritual being no other explanation of its existence is possible god is the prime mover of all things the law of that movement is in god the order and measure of that movement is in the unconscious creature the correct mode of speaking where material things are in question is to speak of the order rather than of the laws of nature because the laws of nature are in the wisdom of god whilst the orderings of nature are the signets of his will and wisdom impressed on his creation when we look no higher than nature for the laws that give order regularity measure and mutual dependence to its elements we ascribe to that insensible nature what belongs to god and so forget that in his works we behold the signs of his power and wisdom nothing can be more unphilosophical than the constant use of language in which material effects are put for their living cause or in which material order and sequence are confounded with law when we ascribe laws to material nature when we say that nature does this or nature does that we transfer the exalted honor of law the attribute of intelligence from god to unconscious matter this way of speaking generates a like way of thinking and of looking to the creature for what belongs to the creator there is a law of nature but that law is implanted in human reason and regulates the conduct of man nature acts in order observes st gregory of nyssa but the force of that order depends upon that first command of god which once given goes on through all that is procreated to the end if under its natural conditions the order of nature is uniform that is ordained for its conservation and also for the benefit of man that from the ordinary course of nature he may know on what he may rely but as the force that moves nature is the act of god's will directing all things to their appointed ends as nature is made for man not man for nature as the ends of nature are subservient to the moral and the supernatural end of man and as the whole ordering of nature depends on the sovereign will of god it is most reasonable to expect that from time to time god should express his free power over nature and exhibit his condescension to man by subordinating the natural to the supernatural order of things 
whether to confirm his revelations or to answer the prayers of his servants the natural was created for the supernatural and strange would it be if this subordination were never brought to visible proof god who made all things ultimately for himself made them intermediately and in a special manner for the just who obey his voice for though they also serve the unjust that is but imperfectly and for a time that passes quickly this world may be considered as a school whose immediate object is to train the just for eternal life from his gratuitous goodness says st bernard god made all things for himself he made all things to serve his elect this goodness is their effective cause but the service of the elect is their terminal cause in disposing the elements of creation therefore in a natural and uniform order god reserved the sovereign right of acting upon a higher law to higher ends and he is not at all seasons inexorable to the humble prayer of faithful souls as his own revelations the frequent acts of history and the common belief of mankind bear witness god made the world as much for the instruction as for the use of man during the course of his probation and as the just man is trained by faith for the vision of god who would have us love him as he deserves before we see him as he is the visible world is the veil drawn between the human spirit and the eternal mysteries still it is a luminous veil partly concealing and partly revealing the wondrous ways of god when with spiritual eyes we look upon the marvellous diversities of things spread out beneath the canopy of heaven and with a reverential spirit explore the mysteries hidden in the world we everywhere see the shadows of the divine attributes and the footsteps of the eternal wisdom for the invisible things of god are clearly seen from the things that are made his eternal power also and divinity to the eyes that are cleared by humility the providence of god is everywhere visible in its action and everywhere his care is manifest this visible universe says saint basil is like a written book that bears witness to god and preaches his glory to the intelligent creature it eloquently proclaims that august majesty who might otherwise be concealed from our knowledge the heavens show forth the glory of god and the firmament the work of his hands when a certain philosopher put the question to saint antony how can you live in this solitude without books the holy hermit replied my books are the nature of things that god has created it gives me the choice of the volumes which god himself has written those books are always open to us but as they demand the light of god to read them in the sense of god there are but few persons who read them in the ample sense 
of their divine author end of lecture three part one